Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, NHL All-Star Player Draft tonight, 6 o'clock on Sportsnet. Now, the salary cap is going up next season. We know this factually. <laughs> I thought you were about to say there was a cap on tonight. I'm like, no, come on, not no. tonight. Don't make me think about the cap tonight. No. All what? of a sudden, Boone Jenner, it's like, we got to take him first. This is yeah. great value. <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be an interesting little wrinkle. No, the salary cap is going up in the NHL next season. Um, but obviously, this sport growing in stature and increasing its negotiating power when it comes to negotiating the national TV rights deals mm. is better for the players. We've yep. seen this in the NBA where, okay, the owners largely are driving the decision to 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 have 65 games be a minimum requirement for these postseason awards. But the players... You know, as, as much as some of them, when it's going to cost Tyrese Halliburton $40 million, there's pushback. There is an understanding, and most notably, Kawhi Leonard, he doesn't need no awards. And, no. and you can tell me that this is the way it would have played out before the edict came down. I, I, I don't know necessarily. Here's what I know. He's, he's playing almost every day mm-hmm. this season after this renewed importance of the stars playing and the upcoming media rights negotiation in the NBA. The, the players seem like actively responding to the idea that the more we grow this sport, the more we give its fans what mm-hmm. they so desire, the better it is for us. I, I wonder if there's that same type of acknowledgement when it comes to the NHL. Like, is it is it an obligation for these guys to show up tonight and this weekend? Or are they seeing it as an opportunity both individually and as a collective to grow the sport? Yeah, it's funny when you when you say that it's I you know obviously we're talking about it because of All Star Week, but if if players feel that push and that impetus, then they all should look like the Florida Panthers. Like I actually think like we talk so much about like what grows the game and is it good that Justin Bieber is a part of All Star Weekend and people can roll their eyes at that if they want, but you laid out the numbers of like how good it is, how massive an appeal that is, and I'm not poo pooing that, but you want eyeballs on your sport so that eventually they watch and become fans of your sport. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what we have to talk about just as much when we talk about growing the game is, yeah, like, do these guys need to lean into personality a little more? For sure. Do you need to keep everything so safe and about the team? No, you don't. But I think that what's going to grow the game is, you know, Crosby Ovechkin dueling hat tricks in the playoffs. Man, we're never going to get it again. But if we ever got any... Do you imagine how hockey or how popular hockey would be if we ever had a Red Wings avalanche type scenario again? Buddy, okay, yeah, like that's the thing. Okay, if we're talking about the on-ice product, you, you, and the skill is incredible. And watch a hockey game these days. Like it's it's pretty remarkable how much scoring there is. Yeah, like yeah. it's fun, it's fun watch. But you know, the the average American sports fan can't relate to the dangles that happen in the middle of the ice mm-hmm. or you know, what an incredible zone entry like i can yeah. be like oh my god yeah like look at that backhand pass in front mm-hmm. from austin matthews but like it it's a pretty nuanced way we yeah. watch the game if the nhl did truly care about bringing in new audiences or mm-hmm. being or differentiating itself frankly from the other north american pro sports, sports yeah but maybe not being the most PC thing in the world, yeah. and maybe leaning into that possibility, it would be, yeah, don't tamp down fighting. No. Don't tamp down the physical element of the game. Lean into that. That's the everywhere you look, it's hey, Draymond Green disappearing for a couple yep. of weeks because everyone is so offended that the, you know he like mm-hmm. choked a guy. 
um, or kicked him, right? It's, yep. it's everywhere in sports there is a pushback to physicality. Now, in the NFL, I mean, maybe it's part of the reason why it's the most popular sport in North America. Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can do when you're talking about guys throwing in a, yeah. a tackle sport. Yeah, they have neutered it in a big way, though. I mean, like, go watch a Steelers-Ravens game from mm-hmm. 10 years ago and watch guys basically die on... Well, I guess I can't say that anymore because DeMar Hamlin literally yeah. did, but you understand what I mean. Yeah, that there is... There is still an appetite, and listen, I like we've we've I think are both on the mm-hmm. same wavelength when it comes to fighting yeah. in hockey that it's not something that offends my no, sensibilities. I'm, I'm I, quite good with it actually. Yeah, and no. Having said that, I don't need like I don't need staged goon fights. No. I'll take them. I, I like I still am not offended by them, and I will take them. But you want real? That's what we talk about with everything: real stakes, real passion, real that's why emotion. The playoffs are amazing. Why they're the best, and I think that so if you are if you are a believer or a believer, if you will, mm. in that just getting enough eyeballs will eventually get people to the sport. You need to get them to the playoffs because every sport is different when the playoffs roll around, but hockey is on a completely other level. Like if you're trying to, mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're talking to a not hockey fan and you're trying to sell them on the sport, it's the first thing you say, oh, we have the best playoffs. They're the mm-hmm. greatest, hardest trophy to win. And I'm sure other people in other sports will roll their eyes at that, but guess what? I believe it to be true. And that is how you sell it. So, yeah, I think I think all this all-star stuff is great. It's nice, and they should put on a show, whatever exactly that means. Right. But it all needs to be to get them back to the game and what stylistically yeah, is if, the best time of it. If you're watching a hockey game for the first time because you're like, Tate McRae's there, like, are you going to be interested in the sport when you arrive? Or are you just going well, to check back out? When, that when, part's when... interesting because, again, I, mean, I don't want to, you know, like pretend to get in, too inside the fan, like her fan base's headspace, but it's mm-hmm. like, do her fans want to watch somebody punch someone in the face? Yeah. My, like I do. Justin Bieber's fans might. I don't know. Like Will Arnett, I feel I pretty know. confident his fans want to watch yeah. people get punched in the face. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Again, Tate McRae uh, co-captain with uh, Nathan McKinnon tonight. Much to the chagrin of his potential girlfriend or wife or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in his life. Time now for our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Luke Gazdick, former NHL forward, Sportsnet NHL analyst uh, with us right now. How's it going, Luke? Good, fellas. What's up? How's it going? Uh, you sound like you got like some maybe some Tate McRae thoughts you want to get you want to get across here. Like, eh. <laughs> I just thought that was funny too, man. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. Well, I was yeah. I was argue, I was wondering like uh, how much do all the boys hate Nathan McKinnon now? Like, if you're the Hughes brothers and you're hanging out with Michael Bublé, you're like, I feel like we got the short end of the stick here. I got to be honest. Yeah, I'm gonna take that one like up with I- Gary. Yeah, I wish I played in the Central. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, she's uh, she's a very popular uh, person in uh, in media right now. Um, so I'll ask you the question that I posed at the, at the top of the the hour here, Luke. Like, do, do you think the players look at tonight as an obligation or an opportunity, both like individually to grow their own personal brand and or like secondarily to grow to grow the game itself uh, and in a cap league where there's revenue like they're supposed to get 50 percent of the financial pie. Like, do they see it as an opportunity to, to get more eyeballs on the sport? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it wasn't a huge thing when I was in the league, but any time guys get to go in front of cameras and kind of show themselves. And I know there there are guys that definitely I think buy into that whole 
you know, selling their own brand and growing it. Um, it's gotten bigger and bigger, man. And I think, I think this is a good thing. I think it's starting to become something that guys actually look forward to rather than, um, try and avoid. And, uh, I think it'll be a good time. I know my buddy, David Amber is going to be hosting it. And, um, I, I, it's, it's something that, that I, I think we can finally say, like, even as a former player that, that guys are genuinely looking forward to. Yeah, I think it's a it's a nice sign that you see guys kind of understanding the 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 buy in there. You know, in terms of I, I, let me throw this one at you. I was wondering this, and yeah, you know, I wish I could remember who I saw it from. I stole this from somebody I saw on Twitter. But is, are we sure that this is the best week for the NHL All Star break? Because I kill the CFL every year when it's MLB All Star break and they got no games going on. It's uh, hey, I'd like to watch some sports. There's no NFL on. This weekend, and I argue you could say, yeah, that's why the All-Star game is this weekend. But wouldn't it be awesome if we had like an outdoor game in, I don't know, I threw out like Lambeau Field is the idea. Like hold it in a football stadium, appeal to American football fans. Like if we're trying to grow the game, I actually think there's some way you could do it where this is rivalry weekend in the NHL. And yeah, like basketball still going on. There's other things still going on, but not having the NFL there, it's a like pretty sizable piece of TV viewers that you could get. Like what would you make of the idea of having a bit of like a rivalry weekend that culminates in an outdoor game as opposed to an all-star game at at, uh, at this break when you have no NFL to compete with? Oh, man, that's a good one, actually. I uh, haven't heard too much discourse on that. The one I did hear yesterday was having it more after the season like the NFL does. But mm-hmm. um, listen, I know they're trying to do anything to get as many eyeballs on this thing as they can. And I, I just think that's that's the goal of, what, of doing it right now is trying to have that. But having the outdoor game culminating it would be pretty damn cool, to be honest. Um, any way they can get more uh, more eyeballs on the sport, but you're right. There's not too much going on right now. We're still waiting until the 11th for the Super Bowl. Um, definitely up for def- for more ideas like that. I love hearing stuff like that. So I think if we were like going to guess, we would say that Austin Matthews, his personality is, is more in tune with what the NHL is looking for out of tonight's proceedings. I think Connor McDavid, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that that is necessarily in, in his DNA. Now you saw him in his rookie year playing in Edmonton. He's, he's obviously grown leaps and bounds as far as what he gives us uh, in the media since then. Do, do you think he, like, where is his role in being the, the, the league's, the sports best player, maybe the best player that's ever lived to play the sport, honestly. And, and, and his responsibility in being the face of this league and growing it. Well, I'll tell you this much. He's come, leaps and bounds since I knew him when he was 18 and 19 years old. Um, he was very, very raw, soft-spoken, um, could call him shy when, uh, when he was that young and we were living together and playing together. Uh, and it's, it's cool to see him now in the spot he's in. I know he had a huge hand in revamping the whole skills competition and what they're doing on Friday, uh, the format of it. Um, and basically all the events that the guys get to pick to choose to do. So that's cool. I, I like to see him have a hand in that. And I know that's behind the scenes, but you can see he's getting a little more flair in front of the camera. Uh, I mean, I follow Edmonton a lot. I'm watching every single interview and press thing. And, you know, he's, he took a shot at a reporter like last week. I think it was spec, but he's just, he's starting to get a little more personality. And I think that's great for the game. I don't think he has to go out there and be PK Subban. I don't think he needs to be the face of the league, even if he is on the ice. But if he starts to show a little more personality, 
like that, it's it's always a good thing. And it doesn't need to be every time. I understand people people can get a little frustrated when I think it's uh, when when hockey players start to sound robotic and drop every single cliche in the book uh, that he can have the tendency to do sometimes on camera. But he's starting to show a little more flair, and I, I really like that because if you knew him ten years ago when I did, um, he he was much much different. Did not really want to be in front of a camera or in the public eye at all. And I think he's made that realization that he really does have to be. And if, if the league wants to continue to grow, he's a huge part of it. Yeah. It used to be every time he was in front of a camera, it looked like that picture at the airport uh, the between couple. the two old, uh, the it's two the like older people. And now, it's now the best photo of all time, it, honestly, me, me and Taylor Hall were two, <laughs> we, we all live together. And every now and then just unsolicited, <laughs> me or Taylor will send that pic to each other uh, and just die. <laughs> That's that makes me so happy to hear. I know I like, I know I've talked about this with you before, but it's like Taylor Hall, just a guy I'll always have a, a soft spot for. I was in Windsor when he was uh, winning a couple of Memorial cups down there. So, so that makes me so happy to hear. I actually think that should be like, you know, those like photo cutouts they have at amusement parks where it's like, oh, you can be the big fat guy and you can put your face through it. They should have that at the Edmonton or airport where oh, you can gosh. be the awkward couple yeah. taking the picture <laughs> with true. McDavid. Like it should be the first oh, thing that's you a, see. That's a great idea. And I should tell you, man, I know you said you had a soft spot yeah, yeah. for Halsey. So do I. He's the best. I think <laughs> talk about guys that in, you know, the I don't want to say the media eye, but he did get a bit of a bad rap in Edmonton because he's just very short mm-hmm. and direct in the way he talks, but I'm not kidding you. One of the most uh, dry humor guys that I've ever met. One of the funniest guys I know. And, and one of my best friends, uh, not just in hockey, but in the world, he's, he's the best man. That is uh that that's awesome. I, I absolutely love to uh, love to hear that. Um, You know, just while we're talking about the idea of like growing the game, obviously it's a bit, but how hampered is the league by the fact that, you know, and it's not to say there aren't other guys that you'd love to sell, but I feel like the two you'd like to sell the most are McDavid and, and Matthews, you know, Matthews being in Toronto, maybe it feels a touch different, but just the fact they're both on Canadian franchises, like I'm thrilled about it personally. It's like, we love them the most. We should get all the best guys, but can you imagine a world where McDavid was, you know, in the spot Bedard's in now, or, you know, I'm happy we don't have to live in this world, but where Austin Matthews is a New York Ranger or something like that. Like it does feel something along those lines. It would be what would allow it to kind of jump to another stratosphere in the States. No, I think we're we're certainly blessed that we get two of those guys and we get them on Canadian TV to watch all the time. It's a crime, honestly. Some guys, some guys. I think of Nikita Kucherov in that conversation too. Like this guy's a legitimate superstar. He's an absolute rock star, and I, I just it's not that he's underrated. I know we'll we might get into that. Uh, yeah, the players poll and stuff, but I like that's one that I think of that. My goodness, if he played on Canadian soil, this guy would be an absolute rock star. Um, but we're very blessed to see those guys on Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday and get to see them on national nights. And um, it, it's it's incredible. They're very, very different players, uh, but both two of, uh, I know for many people, I was going to say for me, most exciting to watch in the league, two of the most. But um, it, it's great that we get to see them on this side of the border. I always always don't love when guys follow the teams like that, whether it be Dallas or, or Nashville or Anaheim, where you're not going to get to see them very often playing or on TV. Um, it's a bit of a crime because there's some players down there in those markets that are legitimate. Uh, like I said, really, really good hockey players. And we just don't get to see a lot. 
Yeah, and, and Kucherov, I think, has a personality as well, as exemplified by, like, the, yeah, the, the shirt he was wearing uh, when, yeah, the Lightning were, what, $12 million over the salary cap? Oh, uh, I thought you were just going to say the no shirt and crushing yeah. beers. Oh, and, oh yeah. yeah. Well, there was also the that. old LTIR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you mentioned this athletic uh, anonymous player pool uh, poll, which we, we talked about earlier on in the show. I mean, and and uh, his peers voted him as the third best player in the NHL right now, behind McKinnon and and McDavid, which I think is fair for a guy that that could win the Art Ross this season. How like did were you ever handed one of these things? How how seriously do, do players take these these anonymous polls? No, this is new to me. I actually so I saw this come out yesterday, and then Kipper and Borny went over it, and. Um, I was giving it a look. I, I'm trying to remember for the life of me in my four years in the league, if I got handed something like this, we did. I know we did in the American League because the PHPA did something like this. But in the NHL, I never got anything like this because I would have I would have had some great answers in this <laughs> one. <laughs> but it's it's actually, I don't know, I think it's cool. And I, it's it's different, especially with the refs and the most underrated and overrated mm-hmm. This is the like this is the boys. Like you really get to see like an honest view. And I understand there are some personal vendettas being handed out here, especially mm-hmm. for like the punch in the face one and the referee <laughs> especially the worst referee one. Like you know some guys have some personal, personal vendettas across the league. Uh but this is this is pretty cool. This I'm not kidding you, this is about as accurate as you're gonna get. I think it said two hundred guys. So I mean mm-hmm. that's that's a decent amount of guys to poll for questions like this. And it is strikingly, like, strikingly good how how good some of the uh, uh, polls turned out. Yeah, it's it is awesome. I am always such a such a sucker for these things. And yeah, you mentioned uh, a lot of like vendettas getting handled. Also, a lot of guys uh, not thinking it through because Carey Price did get a vote for best goalie, and he hasn't he hasn't done that for a while. But you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the ref thing there that was so interesting. Is you want to talk about a guy who is who is hated and loathed? I'm just trying to pull it up in front of me. But the guy who got the most votes for the worst ref in the game, he. He hasn't been doing it. He's been on like effectively ref LTIR oh, for yeah, the better Saint part of Pierre. a year. Yeah, St. Pierre there. I just got to it now. The idea like that, that one sticks out to me that you to be that loathed by all the players who you officiate when you haven't been because it's front of like, you know, out of sight, out of mind for so many things, but apparently not like they, the guys must loathe him. <laughs> This is I, this is a straight personal question for sure. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there was a quote from a guy that was like, I'm not, "I don't even have anything against him. I just know that when I play, he's uh, he's going to give me a penalty because it's." Honestly, what I, I got it, it right here. What I know, what I know, he's the ref. I get called for a penalty all the time. <laughs> like, and that's that's a hundred percent. I would hear that. I wasn't great with the guys' names in the NHL, and I should have been better. I was better with the linesmen and. I mean, it's kind of joking, but it was those are the guys that <laughs> yeah. break up the fight. And those are the guys that I talk to all the time. So you need. Um, but it got to a point, I believe it was Todd McClellan when I played in Edmonton. He had all four of the ref names in white tape written with Sharpie um, on, you know, near the monitors behind us. So Smart. it would be like number 86. I don't even know what number West Macaulay is, but let's say it's West Macaulay. You would say refs, number 86, West Macaulay. So he didn't love us calling the refs refs or stripes. He's like, call these guys by their first name, talk to them like they're a human being. Like this is, um, you, you want respect, show respect. And I thought that was cool. And so I was almost out of the league by that time, but 
it's it's personal with some guys, and I've seen firsthand refs have personal vendettas against guys as well. And like, and knowing that if a guy's going to play on the line, he's he's probably going to be in the box that night. So I can tell you that that those answers are <laughs> those answers are definitely personal. There's some really good refs in the league, though, man. I saw Francis um, Francis Sharon's on the list for the best. Well, I don't even think he made the best one. I think he was um, uh, one of the honorable things. But I had Francis in the minors as well. There's some really good refs in the NHL too. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love when guys appear on both sides of it. Like Wes McCauley, best ref in in the game at 53. percent He's also third worst ref or fourth worst ref uh, according to this poll as well. Anything else stand out to you? I mean, yeah, the, the punch in the face thing with that being Nick Cousins, like that. I, I don't think that's a surprise to to anybody. Also, like kind of a badge of honor. Like I'm, that's that's what he's going for there, right? Yeah, this is the whole thing with Cousins. Is he, I, I'm sure he's just loving this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, all year, he's loving, like, the ex are talking about him on Hockey Night, and he's loving trending on Twitter and being the face you want to punch most in the league. So I hate giving him any credit, but he's right up there for me. <laughs> I, played in, um, I played in Jersey my last year in the NHL, and we were playing. He was on Philly, and we played Philly one night at home. I thought I was having a good game. I had a good couple first shifts. I'm ripping around, and then TV timeout. I was kind of taking the skate, and he, he snuck up behind me. I didn't even see him. And right in the back, like in my ear, from behind me, he just goes, "You are the worst player I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> and it so it wasn't even like aggressive. <laughs> It wasn't like it, it. I don't know. It wasn't demeaning or anything. I almost laughed. I, I was just like, oh. "Oh my god!" Like I just want to punch you right now. <laughs> so I understand that. Uh, yeah, and between him and Dale Weiss and Travis Konechny, that team was a nightmare. Oh. Um, on that list too, man. I was in the minors my last two years in San Diego, and the Tucson Roadrunners had both Michael Bunting and Connor Garland, oh. and. It was uh, like my blood pressure isn't the same from playing against Tucson all those all those couple of years. The interesting one for me too, I think, is the, the underrated because yeah. I I know there's so many names. Like I, I think uh, Zegers had twelve, but mm-hmm. there's so many honorable mentions. But that is pretty telling from guys to tell you uh, to tell you who they don't think is worth their salary. Oh, over, or, sorry, overrated. Just to clarify, there, yeah, yeah, o- yeah. overrated. Sorry. Um, and I just I think that was an that was an interesting one. I I don't know if I necessarily agree with Zegris. My whole thing on Zegris is he's just playing for the wrong team. I think mm-hmm. he's in the wrong market. I think he needs to get out of the Western Conference first and foremost. He Play for the Globetrotters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something <laughs> like that. No, he needs to be on a team where he can just do whatever he wants in a high flying offense. Like I think of like Jersey or Montreal as a team that he could probably succeed, but in the Western Conference where you're playing lockdown, more heavy defensive hockey, there's just no time for roller hockey like he plays but god i'm so um, happy you said that i've just just, i mean yeah if you watch roller hockey like if anyone's seen like really good like high level rep or like professional roller hockey that is trevor's eager no stopping roller hockey cruising around no stopping and just all toe drags like it's it's pond hockey essentially oh Um, i'm so happy you're saying this (laughs) <laughs> he uh, just, he, he's a different player and i don't know the the best one for me was the road the best and worst road cities mm-hmm. that just seeing when i don't know i loved winnipeg but seeing winnipeg like dominating that one i just started <laughs> laughing immediately thank god for ottawa that, that winnipeg exists or i think they might be uh might be dominating as well the, you know ottawa good city canada eh, maybe yeah, we feel a little a differently one. about exactly. that's the whole thing it's not even ottawa it's it's 40 minutes away and you're staying at the 
the hotel right across from the rink. There's just there's nothing going on. I love going to Winnipeg, settling down at Earl's for the afternoon. Oh yeah, they're, uh, oh, good Canadian boy. Look at you. Yeah, get me uh, get me in there, and I just I love the the rink, the fans. It's small, it's cold. I loved going to Winnipeg. Like I, I understand that sounds crazy coming out of someone's mouth, but it's a freaking hockey town. It's winter in Canada. It's going to be cold and gray. Like get over it. Um, go go find. Uh, Go find a seat at Earl's or Shark Club and and have a good time there, man. Yeah. Oh, Ottawa. Uh, on the other hand, there's just nothing. Yeah. Uh, you're staying there. <laughs> For me, Ottawa was the worst. I'm glad Raleigh was in there. I'm not kidding you, boys. Raleigh is the worst. Yeah. You stay like 30 minutes outside of town in a strip mall, yeah. and the visiting <laughs> dressing room is like getting like into a closet. There, it's not a great setup. Yeah, that's rough, man. No, <laughs> I think a lot of these did, like, confirm a lot of the preconceived uh, notions that we had uh, about this league. Uh, yeah, none more than Winnipeg being the most loathed road uh, city. Uh, Luke, well done. Way to de- defend uh, Winnipeg. And I guess you can you're, you're, you can still run for prime minister of this country, right? Like, you, you can still get the Manitoba vote, so that's yeah. good. Well, just set up at Earl's and start campaigning, as you said. So, yeah. I just love Canada, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Same, buddy. Same. <laughs> Luke, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, have a great day, guys. You too. Luke Gazdick, uh, former NHL forward, sports NHL analyst, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That's good. Okay, we got the confirmation of all our notions oh, through so the good. poll and then a confirmation from a guy who played in the league. God, that's so good. Uh, yeah, you know it's a good conversation when I don't feel bad for one second about not asking about, like, you know, the kind of earth-shattering trade we had in the NHL yesterday. We talked plenty. No, no, about we the did. Trade, like, okay? No, I don't. I, I'm. That wasn't me saying hey, we did bad. We, we talked about the good. trade. Yeah, earlier with yeah. Bukala because he was mad at us for talking about the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to have fun with Gazdick. Yeah, we'll talk about more fun stuff with Adnan Burke. He's fun. Uh, but first, the NHL's transformation of Toronto for the 2024 Rogers NHL All Star this year includes the NHL Fanfare, a four-day family-friendly event happening now until Sunday the fourth with interactive hockey games, special appearances by NHL players, and much more. Visit Rogers and Sportsnet at the Fanfare to win awesome hockey prizes. Have your photo taken at the Sportsnet broadcast desk and. Test the speed of your slap shot with the Rogers Hardest Shot Skills Competition. If you haven't already, be sure to secure your tickets at NHL.com slash fanfare while supplies last. When we come back, the aforementioned Adnan Verk of MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Now exactly two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting to Dunedin. You're going to be okay? February 15th. No, I'm going to be fine. Like the heart palpitations aren't going to get you? Yeah, uh, it's uh, because I just pounded my coffee. Oh, that okay. was a result of spring training starting this month. Okay. Yeah, it's February first. Just checking. Um, it's exciting times, though, and and who doesn't love like the first images that come out of Dunedin? By the way, before we get to our next guest, uh, shout out to our pal Luke Gazdich, uh, who we just had on the line. Uh, he has a, a new episode of his Mitts Off podcast where he talks to Maple Leafs defenseman Simon Benoit. I actually was going to mention that at the tail end because I saw a clip of the two of them chuckling uh, on my timeline as we were talking to, to Luke. Uh, I love to laugh as well. 
no doubt we will with our next guest, Adnan Verk of MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast. Hello, Adnan. Ben and Prince, no pressure now. We gotta get the last one. <laughs> I just, I, I just we want to are laughing. Happy, yeah, I want to say Happy New Year. Just, just to oh, offend everybody. Of nobody course. hates it more than when someone says Happy New Year because we haven't spoken since December. <sighs> Is and that it's true? February first. We like, actually. I think, I think the cutoff. January 10th, right? January 15th. Literally, David did a whole episode of Curb Enthusiasm about this. Well, we we did, like, Ben and I had an on-air verbal agreement that after the first day that we came back, which was a Tuesday of the new year, that we weren't going to. And then I'm pretty sure every person we talked to for the next month straight went, hey, happy new year. Good to talk to you guys. And then we had to bite our tongue because we didn't want to be like rude hosts. Mm -hmm. But we had just had a conversation on the very show about how unacceptable that was. So it was a little awkward. Thank you for bringing it up, Adam. Nobody gets more upset at the NHL Network Studios than Mike Rupp, former uh, Stanley Cup champion. Like, he'll jersey a guy. Like, he'll just start fighting. If you just, like, January 22nd, hey, happy new year, Rupper. Like, he goes nuts. He's friend of the show. He's actually why we say good morning to people. Mike Rupp. Yeah, Yeah, at the end of our... love Rupper. Yeah. I I mean, were you fighting to to cover the the NHL All-Star game for NHL Network up here? You get to see your folks in Maple? It's a great point, Ben. That's exactly what my argument was. I said, listen, it's not necessarily that I care for these glorified exhibitions, but it's a home game. I said, I can go see my parents, and I can save the company money. I yeah. said, I got, look, at no no hotel, <laughs> no Uber. I'm well familiar with the TTC. Still I per diem, the rocket make, now. Make sure you got the yeah, per diem still. You wouldn't want a per diem, yeah. <laughs> but, but now, I mean, the, the, the subway system, which is much maligned, I might add, in Toronto, it goes right to, like, it's 10 minutes from my parents' house. It's incredible. Really? Like, it goes right to, like, Poros. You know, the 400, it's amazing. So I could have just, you know, shot right down. Well, one hour from my parents' place to get to Union Station. I could have hobnobbed <laughs> with the celebrities. But, yeah, I, I couldn't. Honestly, their argument was you, you rarely do hockey. So if you do, you know, you cut the line, so to speak, just because it's in Toronto would not be fair, which is an argument I couldn't push back against. Damn it. All right, fine. Then we'll talk about baseball with you. And there is baseball news. For, for the first time in a long time when it comes to the Blue Jays, boy, we – we were really obsessed with the Otani stuff, now, uh, understandably so. And then there was a long void of not a whole lot, unless you consider uh, bringing back Kevin Kiermeyer or Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as, as big swings. Uh, I don't. Justin Turner, though, is. E- even though he's 39 and at this moment, before you know, a couple of 40-year-olds have signed and, and Joey Votto among them, the oldest player in Major League Baseball. And he was good last year, playing mostly as the DH for the Boston Red Sox. Um, who knows? At, at, at some point, he's not going to be good unless he's going to play until he's 60 years old. Uh, I, I don't anticipate that happening. Do you view this as a good move, though, for the Blue Jays? I like it because it's such a short-term move here, Ben. Like, one year for $13 million. And as you said, he had an excellent season, and the guy can hit. Like, if there's one issue the Jays had, it's offense, and he brings that. And I think it's pretty surprising when you look at his numbers. 23 home runs, hit 96 RBI last year. Like, that's pretty shocking. Hit 277, you know, 350 on base, maybe a 480 slug. And I think, you know, over the course of a season, he can still be a really effective contributor. Now, my only pause is the thought that, okay, Chapman leaves, he's going to play third base. I said, whoa, 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 Chapman is an elite defender, as we all know, three-war player, primarily because of his defense, whereas Turner is a well-below-average defender. So I-, I like it as a primarily a DH. And, yeah, if Vlad needs a DH one day or Springer needs a DH and Justin Turner can play third base or first base, sure, but like it's an everyday thing. I, I heard a couple of people say, "Oh, that's our new third baseman." I go, "No, no, no. Yeah. don't get it twisted. This is just another guy who's going to add to the offense." But yeah, I think again, what happens now with free agency, as you guys know, is like we're literally two weeks away, as you mentioned, from the first sites of Dunedin and spring training opening. Like guys start to say, "Okay, if I'm not going to get the massive deal, I'll just try to take a high AAV and a short-term deal." That's always the argument. Who does this favor? Once players are not signed, and we get into February, 
And my argument is it favors the owners because eventually if you're a player looking around, going, okay, uh, the music stopped, the musical chairs is over, I just got to grab a seat. So fine, I'll take the one-year $13 million. I kind of wanted a multi-year deal if I'm J.D. Martinez, but nicer to see these guys signing. Justin Turner, Jock Peterson with the D-backs. Still got the big boys out there, Ballinger, Montgomery, Snell. You know, those guys will still get taken care of, Scott Boris guys. But you start to see these guys going, you know what, let me just take a one-year deal. And for Turner, he had success in the AL East with the Red Sox. I expect a lot of success again with the Blue Jays. And, again, it's not moving the needle, but he's a good guy. He's good in the locker room, good in the clubhouse for a one-year deal. I, I think it's a nice little move. Yeah, and I don't have the, the exact figures in front of me, but he makes out, like, gangbusters in terms of the financials of this because he picks up the, the basically, you know, the, the team deferral money that he picks up by not picking up the option with the Sox, and then he gets this deal netting himself uh, you know, a nice, nice little payday as opposed to if he had just uh, stayed stayed with Boston. Uh, something we were talking about earlier in the week, Adnan, uh, Vlad, he gets a video game cover. Now, we don't normally spend too much time uh, debating or talking about who gets the cover of video games, but this one was interesting. You know, this is a player who was famous before he was a baseball player, which we say about almost, or a major league baseball player, I should say, which we say about almost no one. That's like a, that's a Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper level of fame. And I feel like Vlad might've even eclipsed that uh, definitely here. I was a little surprised to see that he was somebody who had the notoriety still to be put on the cover of the game. And this isn't a Canada thing. This isn't an international thing. No, this is in the States as well. What do you think it says about Vlad and his kind of place in the game, despite, you know, a couple of seasons in the last two years that he, he definitely feels like he can perform better than. No, it's a great point, Brett. Normally you get on the cover when you're at your apex, when you're Patrick Mahomes or, you know, whichever player, whatever sport you want to choose. For baseball, they've kind of been a little bit quirky with these decisions, right? The Jazz Chisholm won a year ago, and you go, well, this guy isn't even, like, mm-hmm. by war, I don't think he was even, like, a top 100 player in baseball. But he's flashy, he's exciting, he's good for the game. Okay, cool, that helps. Um, so it's not a conventional choice. And in case of Vlad, you're right, this is not the time you would do it. Like, he's... I wouldn't say the downside of his career, but clearly the down part so far of his career. He's probably going to play another 10, 12 years, hopefully. But if this was after the 2021 season, I totally get it. The last couple of years, I think even in Vlad's words, I don't know if he would necessarily call himself an underachiever, but as you said, he would say, I'm capable of better. You know, I had a good season, but I can still be a great player. So I, I'm a little surprised by it. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's being used as a motivational tool. Maybe they could, all right, you know what? We'll give Vlad all this love and adulation. And maybe he can be the guy. But yeah, he was not the first choice. You know, for me, it's pretty straightforward. If I'm looking for a cover of a video game, you know, it's Otani, it's Judge, it's Betts, yeah. uh, it's Acuna. Like, to me, those are the, the, the biggest stars in the sport. I, I, I don't know how many more numbers. I, I mean, if you'd said to me, guess who's on the cover, I didn't know. Uh-huh. We'd probably go like in the 30s or 40s before I would have guessed Vlad Jr. Yeah, yeah, me too. And Judge has been on it before, right? Like, yeah, you're right to, right. to, to say that the Jazz Chisholm one was a little bit bizarre, and that was the one immediately preceding this one. And, you know, it's... it's we're obviously immersed in, in everything baseball and Blue Jays, and we know exactly what Vlad has done since 2021, right? So this is, is a surprise to us. But to me, it's like it's insight into like the hive mind, like the general sports fan perception of the player, and, and we're too close to it maybe. Like, dude, dude, I think most sports fans who are not watching baseball daily would be shocked to see Vlad Jr.'s baseball reference page from a season ago, Adnan. Like, they saw the 2021, and they're like, oh, that guy emerged, and he was battling tooth and nail with Shohei Otani for the MVP award. Nice. That's that's him now. Like, I, I think the general North American sports fan, who is maybe not even specifically a baseball fan, would be surprised to see the numbers that he put forth last season. Yeah, you know, it's my old boss, Jerry Madeline, he once said to me, like, the key of life, literally, as we get philosophical here on morning radio, is 
frustration versus aspiration. You know, mm. if you're consistently frustrated by life, you need to lower your aspirations. So if you're like, man, I wish I had a million dollars. Like, well, I don't, but I'm just happy I woke up today. Well, then guess what? Your, your aspiration is just to wake up. The frustration goes down. In the case of Vlad Jr., the situation has become because he teased all of Toronto, all of Canada with that potential in 2021, the frustration level is high because our aspirations for him are so high. And what's going to happen is either he's going to get back to where he was and figure things out and have a monstrous season and be one of the top 10 players in baseball, or he's going to continue to do what he's done, which is prove that he is a good player, but not a great player. And that frustration will continue. And I, I think it's a really fascinating situation, particularly this season. Like the Jays didn't extend him or Bichette. Of course, Bichette, they, you know, they took care of the arbitration years, which is helpful, but still, you feel like the, the clock is ticking now a couple of years. And I wouldn't call it a make or break year. That's going too far for the girls to Vlad, but if he wants that, you know, $300 million contract, well, having a monster season would go a long way towards that. So I, I really think this year, you know, as far as most interesting storylines with regards to the Blue Jays, I do think Vlad Jr., can he get back to being that guy again, is definitely at the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, he feels like the guy who is going to have the biggest say on the Blue Jays season. As much as one baseball player can can have a say on it, it does feel like him. I mean, obviously, you expect a big year from Bichette. You need Springer to have a good year. He does feel, to a certain extent, like the key. Uh, if I'm going to say there's a bit of an X factor, it's got to be, to me, Alec Manoa. Because if he returns to anything close to the best version of himself all of a sudden you have maybe the best rotation in in the sport. And we know that offenses can be worse and win if they've got that level of pitching. Do you have any expectations for Manoa? For me, I, I could talk myself into, you know, seasons on completely other ends of the earth for, for this guy. Well, what's your read on him heading into the season? Yeah, Brent, I'm going to be as cautious as possible because, you know, I still think it's remarkable how well their pitching was without Manoa. Like their starters specifically, just carried the water for them all year. And it, it just makes it that much more painful. The Jays were an 89 win team and, and clearly weren't able to make any, any run because their offense was so disappointing. But in the case of Manoa, I'd say to myself, you know, you gotta get right physically and mentally. But if, if you're asking me to put in numbers, I'd be like, dude, if I could get double digit wins and an ERA of four, I'd be thrilled. I swear to God, like I, I'm not looking at this. Yeah. Manoa's going to get back to having like a 2.8 ERA and be uh, 13 and five. Like that's not happening. If, if you told me he makes, 28 starts and is like, you know, 12 and 10 and has a four year away. I'd be like, that's awesome. Like that, that is fantastic. Mm. <laughs> that, and that, again, it's a frustration versus aspiration. I have to look at what I saw, which is a guy who looked totally lost, who looked psychologically damaged, who looked frustrated, who got sent to the minors. Like it was, it was gone. So if you can just go back to just making those starts again, the durability needs a big thing. If you can pitch 150 innings to me, that's massive because the rest of the guys, the Gosmans, the Burrios, they can be the stars. If Manoa could be a number four, I think that'd be great. And that's pretty shocking to think about if you asked me this a year ago. I'm like, no, he's going to be the ace of the team. Now I'll take him as a number four. Basically a glorified innings eater. I would take this year to Manoa. Uh, I think uh, you, you Eagles fans would not just take a, a playoff berth, obviously, considering the way this past season went. I think they would have taken a Nick Sirianni firing this offseason. <laughs> it didn't happen. This is your team, Adnan. Uh, Bill Belichick's still hanging out there and – and Sirianni's coming back. I mean, would you have felt better about your Eagles team if they had axed Sirianni and brought in Bill Belichick? Yes. I'm normally not a fire the coach kind of guy, Ben, but I watched this dumpster fire unfold. And from the halcyon days of 10 and 1 to a 1 and 6 finish, it was, it was incredibly dispiriting. And the, the biggest surprise was that, like, nothing ever got corrected. Like, everyone could tell there were problems. 
Desai gets demoted from calling plays as defensive coordinator. Matt Patricia gets elevated, and the defense was worse. Like, it was ridiculous. I'm like, wait, hang on a second. How do you switch coordinators? And we all know the problem is they can't stop anybody, and the defense got worse. And offensively, they went from third in points per game to seventh points per game. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but it really is. When you go from fifth in passing yards to tenth in passing yards, it, it does create a situation where you go, what's going on here? Like, our players are young and on the rise like Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and, and Swift, uh, DeAndre Swift was a, a, a pro bowler. I mean, you got three pro bowlers in the offensive line led by Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Like, how the heck did the offense get worse? Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, the aforementioned defense, only Hassan Reddick was notable as a pro bowler. So, to me, it, it seemed like a pretty obvious one. You go, dude, clearly the, the coach lost the room. I mean, they're, they're not fans of his. Whatever happened and unraveled, just move on. Instead, the approach has been <laughs> Howie Rosen will exert more control. And listen, he's a really good GM, he's a smart guy, VP, et cetera. We'll just neuter Nick Sirianni. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just take away all your power. We'll, we'll, we're going to hire the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who I, listen, he's well-coveted, well-respected. Dallas was going to make a run of him. I'm glad he's with Philly. And the defensive coordinator will get Vic Fangio. Again, former head coach, big-time name, strong presence. So essentially, Nick had power in giving who he wanted to make the OC and Brian Johnson, the defensive coordinator, and decide. And now it's, no, 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 we're going to bring in some other big dogs here. And if things don't work out here, Nick, let's be clear, you've got one year and you're, you're out of a job. But to your, to your question, Ben, yeah, I would have taken Belichick. Like I, the, you know, the biggest shock of this NFL offseason is that Belichick had a second interview with the Falcons. I almost fell off my chair laughing. I, and then like, didn't get the job. <laughs> this guy's the greatest coach of all time. You're the Falcons. Like, you have Desmond Ritter. Are you joking? Like, if Belichick just agrees to meet with you, I'm offering him the job. Bill, here's a blank check. Whatever you need. Seven years, $45 million. Is that going to get it done? Like, whatever you need. Let me know. Instead, second interview, and they didn't get the job. Unbelievable. I'm like, Bill must be just terrible in interviews. He must be as bad in interviews as he is in press conferences. Next question. On to Cincinnati. (laughs) Somebody said to me, well, maybe, you know, because the stain of this past year and some of his personnel decisions, fine. Like, have that conversation with Belichick. Hey, dude, you're not the GM, okay? But as a coach, you're outstanding. Like, we, we... I, that's my only thought, right? Is maybe with Dallas, I'm like, eh, him and Jerry Jones will clash. I'm like, but we, we can figure that part out. He's the greatest coach of all time. We can figure out the clash of egos. It's okay. We'd rather have Nick Sirianni. Really? Okay. Whatever you say. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, almost as nuts as the discourse around Barbie only being nominated in six <laughs> categories for the Academy Awards. What a travesty. What a miscarriage of justice. I think I like the movie more than you, but like, yeah, no, it, it they, that's what the money's for. Like it's, it, it got plenty and it, it got its nominations. We haven't talked to you since the Oscar noms have, have been out there, but I, and I, I, yeah, you, I guess you can point to the Margot Robbie, no um, Best Actress nomination, Greta Gerwig, no Director nom. But, like, come on. Like, what? that was insane, the week of discourse we got around that, where the former First Lady of the United States has to weigh in on Twitter. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, man. When I first saw Barbie, I gave it two and a half out of four Maple Leafs, which means it's a good movie, which means I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought it certainly had its moments, and I recognized it was a, a, certainly a cultural watershed and as you said, outstanding box office, you know, great message about feminism. I got it. If you'd ask me literally walking out, what Oscar nominations did you give this movie? I'd say art direction, production design, Dua Lipa, by the way, not, not nominated for song. <laughs> I would have said maybe, maybe Robbie for best actress if it's a weak year and best picture, I guess because it's 10 nominees. That's it. So I probably would have said four or five nominees. I had no point if you'd said to me, literally after walking out of the theater, hey, you think that's like a best director? I'm like, what? No, of course, it's a travesty. Best screenplay? No way. Gosling? Come on. So to me, 
looking back and I go, I thought Barbie did pretty well. You're up for Best Picture. Gosling's up for Supporting Actor. America Ferreira's up for Supporting Actress. She has one great monologue, but that's it. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think that's worthy of a nomination. So I think Barbie did pretty well. Now, I get it in a vacuum. You say, hey, this was the most you know, popular film of the year, and yet the female director and the female actress were ignored. Sure, again, if I, if I was voting, I'd give Robbie the actress nomination and not nominate Gosling. But to be clear, Robbie is one of the producers of the movie, so she'll still be nominated because the movie's up for Best Picture. And Gurig's up for Screenplay, which, again, I find the bigger travesty because my guy Scorsese got knocked out of an adapted screenplay nomination, which is crazy. Yeah. That book, Killers of the Flower Moon, is a tough book to adapt. Him and Eric Roth write it, and then Leo halfway through goes, hey, how about I play the Nazi instead of the FBI? <laughs> they rewrite the entire script. I'm like, okay, let's do that. And that movie doesn't get nominated. So that gets 10 nominations but doesn't get nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. So apparently – Marty just directed it himself, and uh, De Niro was great, of course. He gets nominated, Lily Gladstone, but the script wasn't very good. So it's always a little bit mind-numbing, but I'm with you, Ben. I, I was amused more than anything. I said, I, I think they should be happy with six Oscar nominations and making $1.4 billion. Yeah. <laughs> Th thanks for your take, though, Hillary Clinton. Appreciate it. That was good stuff. <laughs> That was not, it was a toxic week on Twitter. I'm more toxic than normal, but uh, yeah, yeah, not, not ideal. Uh, Adnan, it's great to hear your voice. Um, happy New Year to you. Yeah, happy New Year, boys. Happy February. Good to catch up again. And next time we're on, I don't know if I'm in a hard out. I got a quick Raptor straight from the game I went and saw in December. But we'll save that for next time. Okay, next time, buddy. See ya. All right. Thanks, boys. Take care. You too. Uh, Adnan Verk, MLB Network and the Cinephile podcast we're getting happy new years in january and we will get raptor stories from december in february or march mm -hmm. it's february today by the way i know i just like you know i, I assume we'll talk to adnan again this month yeah, yeah. but you know, I know how things it's, go it's true it's true it's true were you were you paying attention to the barbie discourse uh, i did have see you seen that. barbie I, I actually believe it or not i have seen barbie good for you i, I enjoyed it barbie as well. i thought it was good it was fine uh, yeah I'd, I'd refer to hillary clinton though as a, the former uh presidential nominee not the one-time first lady but that's just me ben that's just he's a me. puppet puppet you're the puppet puppet anyways no God. that was that was gross yeah I, I, I agreed i i'm not i i have no opinion on barbie discourse enjoyed the movie but i i will say the message of feminism hit me over when they got to the ken part and i'm like hmm this movie's picking up i like it now and then it kind of <laughs> did kind of hammer me oh. home with, that's the point yeah. you dumb dumb i will say it's not an ideal look when the female lead isn't nominated but the male lead of the barbie movie is yeah. like but yeah he but if good. you have half a brain and you think about it yeah. yeah i mean i i have no opinion because i haven't seen basically any other movie mm. but yeah enjoyed it was good there's mm. my take okay so we've gotten your barbie take i your got tate mccray take just like good job that's my take. That's your take. Good job by her. All involved. Good job by her. Good job to her parents. Good job to the NHL. Good Very job. Very good job to Nathan McKinnon. A hundred percent. Good job to Nathan McKinnon. Um, yeah, uh, he will be in charge of selecting one of the teams at tonight's NHL All Star Player Draft. Again, six o'clock on Sportsnet. Uh, I won't be back tomorrow to break down the results of that, but I'll be driving with my child to Niagara for a hockey tournament. Maybe we should tournament. call you. Get, no, your, get your child's no, I, I want to. I'll be listening, okay? I'll just, I, I want to hear. No, I definitely believe you. I yeah. do. I, I want to hear what you guys think. All right. Uh, you'll be back tomorrow. I will. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 5 by the Fan. Good morning. Good morning.